0: You see him in alleys, framed in windows and doors. You see him over people's
1: shoulders. Uh, two words at the heart of this story may sound strange to a lot of you. The fictional horror character called Slender Man and a website called Pasta. It's creepy, it's scary if a kid got wrapped up in that.
0: What got people talking about the Victor Surge photos was this kernel, this sort of seed that, uh, what's going on here.
1: Websites like creepypasta play to an element of society that's drawn to the paranormal.
0: It's just taking all those kind of tropes that terrify people.
1: Parents may recall sleepovers when tales about the boogeyman, Bloody Mary, and Bigfoot.
0: You have a wide range of people taking part in this. It is the thing that we fear that we don't actually encounter
1: have you heard the story of- and written on the wall and everyone blood. has
0: the different stories of oh this happened to my brother this is telling you stories of the old there
1: was this girl it was back when we were a little kids. to
0: find out the truth regarding one of the most enduring tales in american lore.
1: a story behind the story because it's just a story
0: hello and welcome to the just a story podcast i'm jake and i'm sam and we're here to tell you a story
1: Each week, we take a look at the stories we tell over and over again, and what our myths and misdeeds, fears, and fables say about us as humans.
0: Today, we're celebrating our 25th episode.
1: Which is incredible, considering that this started with Jacob going, we should do a podcast. And we're going, yeah, okay, let's record
0: this. (laughs) And we've grown and grown and grown and grown and grown.
1: Yeah, we started out with our um, Apple mic headsets. That's
0: why it sounds so terrible.
1: Yeah, and we have... Accidentally purchased a new mic, and then a new computer, and then some new software, and then we started buying books and doing research, and it turned into... This. This.
0: (laughs) What's tickling your earbuds right now.
1: Are we tickling his earbuds? Sure. Is that illegal?
0: Only in Utah.
1: Oh, sorry, Utah. Stop tickling yourself. Twenty-five? It's like our silver anniversary. What'd you get me?
0: Uh, wine.
1: Okay. <laughs> I knew you'd like it. Fabulous. Okay.
0: We have our cool new intro.
1: So that's really actually a super duper cool intro because all the sound clips are taken from our stories that begin our episodes. Uh-huh. And I would like to have some listeners record some intros for our show do you think that's possible
0: yeah I mean, we've had a few people do it so far
1: yeah our
0: podcast brethren history goes about eric rivness yes. from most notorious from the podcast final issue if you're oh, into comic books yeah
1: joe mulvey and dwayne fienstra
0: and so if you want to hear sam bitch about comics you can check that out
1: it's super fun i bitch a lot
0: so if you're interested in recording an opening story get in contact with us we can either give you a topic or if there's an urban legend that you're interested in, you know, let us know. Maybe we can fit that in. Maybe we'll put that on the docket. You know, we've got a, a big list, but it's ever-growing.
1: And what's so funny is a lot of times we go to record our new episodes, we'll look at the list, and then we'll just come up with something completely new. Yeah, if you want to record a story, you can contact us on Twitter at justastorypod. Or you can email us at pod at gmail.com
0: also with our 25th episode it's time to announce our winner of the
1: pause go read it prize that's right
0: and so we love all of our listeners and would going to show some appreciation so we're going to let you pick out your favorite book from our pause go read it store that's right we're giving books out as prizes, just like your English teacher. Love us just like your English teacher.
1: We're basically your English teacher when she gets home and needs to recover from dealing with your ass all day because we are drinking wine and telling stories. And so, so who is the winner of our pause, go read it press?
0: Well, before we announce it, I do want to list a few more reviewers that we love so dearly, such as uh, Lily Bell 2 and Lonezilla.
1: And Lonezilla, thank you, Lonezilla, and
0: LL Thompson. and Jack's Jim, and Jack's
1: Jim, oh one, we love you.
0: And our new friends at the Ninth Story Studios, where we'll be doing an interview soon. So look out for that in a few weeks. And so now's the time, Sam.
1: That would be not fair.
0: Have you picked a winner out of the magical hat?
1: The magical mystery hat. Of course. Yes.
0: All right. Please tell us the winner.
1: RK May six. Is the winner of our pause go read it prize. And because this individual is the winner, I'm going to read their review because it says nice things about us. This podcast is amazing. Husband and wife team with great dynamics. Really? Apparently. I <laughs> <laughs> was not scripted. <laughs> and they just seamlessly flow with their sarcasm. Yeah, we have that. Yeah, no, 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 we don't have that. And funny tidbits. Do you have funny tidbits? (laughs) You tell me. (laughs) I can't get enough and look forward to each episode with anticipation. And yes, I want to drink wine with them also. We want to drink wine with you too. We are drinking drink wine with everybody. All of our friends. Because we're alcoholics. No, we're not. Right. We're supposed to be anonymous. Okay.
0: So just send us out an email.
1: Or catch us on Twitter or if that's Twitter. more convenient.
0: Mm-hmm. Whatever's better. And we'll get you your special prize. Yay. So now back to the story at hand.
1: So I wanted to talk to you about something. Oh, God. I have an idea.
0: Is it to do a podcast?
1: Well, we've done that now twice. By the way, if you haven't done so yet, there's this great podcast called Audio Dime Museum. And if you haven't listened to it yet, you should totally pause, go listen.
0: The people doing it are geniuses.
1: Oh my goodness. Okay, so my idea. I think I have an idea for a creepypasta that would go viral.
0: And what is that?
1: Okay, so I was thinking about like the demographics and like who's on there and what a lot of the common threads are, and I was like, if you could find a way to encapsulate all the anxiety of being a teenage girl, an angsty teenage girl in one Story. What would it be? And so I have this idea for a girl who finds out that she has somehow cybernetically accidentally linked to her social media accounts. And for the last week, every thought she's had, every mental image, every single insecurity and like second glance at a cute boy in the hallway and wishing her teacher would fall off the roof or whatever... All of it has been going out on her social media feeds with her name and picture and everything posted on it.
0: That's actually a pretty good idea. I know, right? But what's a creepy pasta?
1: I have no idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Somehow you were able to create one.
1: It's just kind of out there in the ether, Jacob.
0: But you know what? Since this is our 25th episode, I realized as we were working on this, we have never actually stated explicitly.
1: We can't state things explicitly, so this is a family show.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. We say things, explicit things
1: all the time. Just don't tell the kids. Okay. So what have we not stated explicitly? Like, have we managed to avoid something in the grand history of our 25 episodes? We've managed to not say one thing.
0: We managed to not say a lot of things. Really? I promise. There's more. This is not the finale. Okay. We've not talked about what an urban legend is.
1: Well. Well,
0: we have. Right. But just circled around it.
1: Well, it's our myths and misdeeds and fears and fables and that. It's that.
0: Yeah, that's your catchy little slogan.
1: Well, yeah, it's kind of my thing. (laughs) But it's not academic. So you want to give like a true, you would say clinical, I would say academic definition of what an urban legend is.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not a diagnosis. So I thought we would start with our favorite Freudian folklorist. Oh my God. Alan Dundee's
1: such a fan okay so what does alan have to say so he was
0: asked what is folklore
1: okay and this was
0: in 1965 and he said that he was not very happy with this term folk it says it sounds like like peasants or rural people
1: obviously the summer of love hadn't happened yet (laughs) and so yeah people from the past
0: and he argued that contemporary urban people also have a folklore and that this group of people can be any group whatsoever who share at least one common factor. It could be a common occupation, language, religion. But what is important is that a group has some traditions that it calls its own. And he suggested that folklore is not something that's dying out. It's something that's constantly being created and recreated. To suit new situations
1: And what's interesting is that people don't realize they're part of folk groups. It's something I would hear over and over again in my class. It can be a group of people who have a shared common characteristic and they're like like Norwegians and I'm like, yeah, no, like gym rats, there's a gym folklore or scooter drivers or you know like every little niche community has its own folklore. and that's one of my favorite things about these legends. And the way they're spread is a lot of times people will just take a legend and kind of unwittingly tailor it to their audience. Uh, Not even really meaning to, just including the things that they think are cool. And that's how they get these blurred little blips. The scooter drivers are going to say that they picked up the hitchhiker that way. Not in the back of their car.
0: Did you pick up a hitchhiker? On
1: my moped? Yeah.
0: Stop pretending you have a Batgirl moped.
1: Stop ruining my dreams. (laughs) So we've heard from Dundee's, and he's kind of a throwback to the folk generation, to the people who were coming at this from the grim gathering of folk tales and preserving of the national identity and all that. Like, he comes from that tradition. But if we move forward just a skosh in time to 1999, we can talk to our buddy Jan.
0: Jan van Brunewandt is one of my favorites because he is who got me into folklore. That was like in middle school. I read like five of his books.
1: Yeah, him and uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark.
0: Yeah, I think I graduated from Scary Stories and moved to his books that I got at the local used bookstore.
1: Oh, the local used bookstore with the giant cat. Yeah. Yeah, I love that bookstore. Okay. Shout um, out
0: Alexander (laughs) Books in Lafayette.
1: Hi, hope your giant cat's okay. So in 1999... Jan was doing a moderated chat session. on a chat room? In a chat room. Was
0: this like an AOL thing?
1: It was a CNN thing? Close. He was asked how he would define an urban legend. He says that an urban legend is anything that's too good to be true. What I mean is that these stories are told with the same conviction as if they were true, attributed to a friend or a friend of a friend that are too coincidental or bizarre to be literally true. The same basic stories are told in lots of different places, always localized with different variants. That's the crux of what I call urban legends.
0: So something with an air of truth, although it might have kind of a bizarre twist to it, it's close enough.
1: It's like that, oh, no way. You You can suspend
0: belief for a second. Maybe?
1: Maybe it's not just a story. Exactly. Right? I thought also, since we were... Talking about folklore and urban legends. One of the biggest things to me as I'm studying this is that it has to be community generated. It can't come from an author.
0: It's usually changed between people that are telling it, between people that are even are writing it down. It takes on different forms.
1: Right. And that's why folklorists who are doing field work go to such great lengths to preserve, you know, 500 variations of Cinderella on the Iberian Peninsula or whatever. Um, because they need to compare them and see where there are regional trends and where there are changes. And that's how you learn about kind of reverse engineer morality borders. Anyway, that's a whole other ball of wax. But since we're talking about these authorless legends, I kind of thought we needed an authorless definition of urban legend. So I went to Urban Dictionary. That's perfect. And I pulled this one up and I thought it was just amazing because it was like you know in the cream of wheat box where there's a guy and he's holding the cream of wheat box and on that box there's a guy holding the cream of wheat box like a russian nesting doll of the hall of mirrors yeah very much definition of urban legend this one says it's common folklore that is actually quite scary when you think about it i actually know of one that you could look into and make up your own mind about I just thought that was so great because it was like, it could be true, it could not be true. Here's an example, what do you think?
0: Yeah, which is the crux of it. Urban legends have been changing for pretty much the past century as we've talked about, and kind of because that term urban legend really is a 20th, 21st century idea, before that more of a folklore aspect of things. It's kind of what I would say is that separation. Urban legends have continued to change and grow Especially with the internet.
1: What's the internet?
0: Hmm. Who do you think we've been talking to for the last half a year?
1: The ghost. The
0: ghost and the machine? Yeah. Oh, Sam. (laughs) Did you get a chain mail about that?
1: Yeah, I assumed you did too. Why else have we been doing this?
0: I got your forward.
1: The Nigerian Prince thing? You scroll down?
0: Oh, shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, I only sent him $6,000.
0: You don't even have
1: $6,000. I know. I sold a kidney. So another interesting moment in this interview with Jan, a user was allowed by the moderator to ask a question in the the chat. chat room in 1999 as they were listening to No Doubt and things. They ask, do you see the internet as a major vector of urban legends? Do you think people overall are more or less skeptical than they traditionally have been about urban legends? And do you think the internet has affected it either way? And he says, that's a complicated question. The internet has increased the speed at which some of these stories are circulated. Just like that, they're all over. They're transmitted very quickly. There are also people discussing urban legends and archiving them on internet sites. So that is an area of skepticism, recognizing them as folklore. Judging from an email I get, there are still plenty of people sophisticated enough to use a computer who fall for these things. I would just say that as a student of folklore, I still find the oral tradition, the face-to-face transmission of stories, more interesting than just having someone forward me an email. There's no facial expression, no gestures, no audience reaction, no rich content. Although I guess you can say the internet might develop its own context. There are emoticons.
0: Boy, were you... Right. Yeah. Talk about seeing into the future. Mm-hmm. You know, my friend told me that he was at one of Jan's lectures mm-hmm. and he was able to predict the future.
1: Well, apparently your friend is legit. <laughs> Maybe the internet will develop its own context, Jacob. What do you think?
0: Maybe it will become sentient.
1: Yeah. If series is sentient as we're getting, I'm totally feeling safe.
0: So Jan couldn't be more right in his prediction.
1: Yeah. Even Over, citing the importance of emoticons.
0: Well, how that transforms me you know, like, there's already forms of expression. 17 years ago, we were already in our very stone age technology of the internet, which we grew up with.
1: <laughs> this, is, this is like around when I
0: got a computer. Yeah, me too. Yeah, in middle schoolish.
1: Yeah, and you had the really cool Away Messenger on AOL Messenger. Like, that was a competition, basically, to see who could put the craziest colors and find the most obscure, like, esoteric quote to put up there. God, I
0: cannot remember what my screen name was.
1: Oh, mine was uh, Drama Queen. Is it
0: still? <laughs> so, the internet did pick up on the tradition that was before the internet of chain mail letters Mm -hmm. where kind of like we joked about get a chain mail. It says some kind of story. It says pass this along to five people and you'll get good luck.
1: I remember once before the internet when I was about seven or so, my mother got a snail mail chain letter and I insisted that we do it because I was that kid. And I remember like having to go to Kinko's and make photocopies and then go to the little post office in our no-stop-light town and get stamps and going home and going through her address book and pulling addresses and mailing them off. So I definitely remember that moment.
0: Well, I'm sure you also remember, years later, getting similar emails Mm -hmm. where you had to forward it to 10 friends.
1: Right. And I didn't know 10 friends with email addresses.
0: (laughs) And these kind of took on a life of their own, kind of as the internet does, developed a terminology, and these were called copypasta. Why? Like copy-paste. Oh. Short little blurbs that you could copy and paste onto a message form, onto a Usenet, <laughs> onto. So, like, this is,
1: this is meme before meme?
0: And the term was coined in 2006 by 4chan mm-hmm. members. And it quickly gained steam as a kind of way to write fiction including like fan fiction, you know developing your Firefly stories. All of Sam's Law and Order fan fiction.
1: Oh my god. You're right. Yes, my love letter collection to Jerry Obrock is sealed in a vault somewhere along with the scenes where he conquers all of the evil in the universe and saves the whole world as Limier.
0: But what became one of the most popular forms of copy pasta was something that became called Creepy pasta.
1: Well, that's cute. It's an easy leap.
0: Yes, there was a great New York Times cartoon where there was a guy looking at a bowl of pasta with a snake coming out of it,
1: and it said it's "creepy creepypasta. pasta." Yeah. Okay, that's literal, it's, it's highbrow, and clever. Okay, I got it. If I, if I think that's funny, I'm smart, right?
0: Why is the pig at the complaint <laughs> desk?
1: He wishes he were taller. It's funny. It's funny because he wishes he was taller. There's nothing he can do about it. It's funny.
0: Side of difference. Sp- Woo! So, an important part of Creepypasta is that it was a story told by someone else. They're usually told in the first person. hmm And like an urban legend, you can never really verify if it was true or not.
1: Yeah, it's hard to vet the internet.
0: But it did have a air of authenticity.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, this could be real. Right. Because we do get weird things in our inboxes, and we don't know where they came from, and maybe they're true. Like my Nigerian prince friend, a lot of people think he's not real. Sure.
0: And so, Shira Chess is a professor at uh, University of Georgia, and she studied this a lot. And we'll talk about her a few times. Okay. And... She says that this crowd-sourced fiction really does bear similarities to folklore that was once passed down orally. I think we should kind of go and like give some rules on what defines a creepypasta.
1: Alright, so according to our friends at Bustle, you don't have any friends at Bustle, we'd like to. Let's get a drink. Creepypastas must have originated online. I think
0: that's super important.
1: I do too. I was scanning through the Creepypasta wiki. When I was searching for something, one of the things that came up was the yellow wallpaper.
0: Which we have talked about. Amazing one of my favorite short stories.
1: Super effective. Incredible imagery. Oh my god.
0: But that's a hundred year old story, almost.
1: Yeah, and it's still scary. Oh my goodness.
0: Not a Creepypasta.
1: It is not a Creepypasta, definitively. You know another thing I kept seeing? On like top ten list. What's that? Robert the Doll.
0: That's a real thing.
1: Whether or not it's haunted, that's, that's maybe not. But it is a real person who had a real doll that has been historically documented.
0: Yeah, that is more of an oral history. Could be considered an urban legend.
1: Right, but there's Eugene. Eugene had that doll.
0: So it also has to be believable. Yeah. That, that fits with all of these kind of urban legends. It has to, you have to be able to kind of believe it. And it also has to be shareable.
1: Right, so small content units.
0: Yeah, it can go viral easily. So comparing creepypastas to urban legends, an urban legend really requires an audience to not know the origin of it. Okay, You hear it from a friend of a friend. It happened to a friend of a cousin of a stepdaughter.
1: Right, redhead stepdaughter? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I know that guy.
0: And it's unverifiable. And these fourth-hand accounts perpetuate the myth
1: you've become a link in that chain.
0: Exactly, because you'll go tell a story.
1: Right, and then you'll be the friend whose cousin's brother's stepdaughter told them the story.
0: An interesting thing about these creepypastas is that you can very easily verify the origin of these legends. You can find the exact date and post of where it is. And Know Your Meme is a great source for that.
1: I'm on Know Your Meme.
0: You are, you little feminist.
1: Yeah, I, I feministed about Batgirl.
0: And she's sighted. <laughs> Look her <Yay. it> up. <laughs> but one thing that really has creepypasta fitting in with urban legends is that urban legends very frequently use these supernatural and paranormal and horror motifs.
1: Well, yeah, that's why they're good stories. <laughs> that's why we like them. They're also slightly absurd, which I think is something else that to channels really well and i wanted to say a little bit more about like it being frightening yeah so the reason that we are able to in my opinion suspend disbelief when we look at these stories even though we can see where they came from is because a lot of times in constructing the stories they provided their own documentation how's that well i might include a photo or they might have a video. And there's something about that little token of real life that they inject in there that makes them that much more frightening. And really makes you want to tell the next person about them.
0: Yeah, and it also makes them very accessible.
1: Right, because sometimes they say everything in one picture.
0: Yeah, and, or you know, another example are the two-sentence horror stories.
1: I love the two-sentence horror stories.
0: Where you transmit a story in a really short little chunk of information and you could read it in 30 seconds.
1: It's like the Ernest Hemingway story. What's um, that? Well, he was at the round table with the other intellectuals of the day. and he with, told, a,
0: with a whiskey in hand?
1: Was there ever a Hemingway without a whiskey in hand?
0: What did he say? Right drunk? Edit sober?
1: That is what he said. Or what's credited to him, and I don't really care if anyone else said it. But he was there with the literati of his day, and he told them that he could write a short story in six words. And that short story was for sale, baby shoes, never used. Oh. oh
0: right in the heart. Yeah. And like we've said, that these creepypastas can really transmit much faster than word of mouth.
1: Oh absolutely.
0: There's a big difference between the two. And in the past, you know, they may have remained localized. It would be the story that's just in Texas.
1: Well, all the stories are in Texas, Jacob.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot. But now it can just spread over the entire globe in a matter of seconds.
1: Right. So another great thing about this community that they're drawing from, the internet community, is that there are really no boundaries between different types of culture, different types of people. It's a melting pot that is aided by anonymity. And so you can have some very lowbrow, cheesy, fanfic Photoshop comic stuff with H.P. Lovecraft characters?
0: Creepypasta is, in a way, credited with bringing H.P. Lovecraft back into the forefront of horror culture because he was really a not very well known mid 20th century.
1: Oh, he was so writer. culty. Yeah. Oh, culty, culty, culty. Yeah,
0: you know, I'd read him, but I was into that stuff. Yeah. And I was kind of surprised to find out later on that he'd become this cultish figure on internet horror fan sites.
1: Right. The visuals are just so great. I think that's one thing that people are really able to connect to quickly. And that was always sort of in the background of his stories more, you know, he wasn't producing artwork to be seen and digested quickly and passed on. He was writing these very complex mythologies.
0: Yeah, I love his style of writing because it sets you up in a really normal environment and then slowly introduces these really odd factors that come in.
1: I would argue that the best creepypastas do the same thing.
0: No, I agree 100%. You can see the influence. Um, Even if they may not have read Lovecraft, they've read creepypastas that are written by people that have read him.
1: So it's the dissemination of that style and genre.
0: Right, just like you may have never listened to someone like Robert Johnson, but you've listened to the Beatles and Cream and Eric Clapton, and they were all inspired by Robert Johnson, and you may have been inspired by them, and thus...
1: You are hanging out in your garage playing songs that sound like Robert Johnson, completely by accident.
0: Book your flight to Clarksdale.
1: Say hi to the devil for me.
0: You've even seen in the past this mix of technology and pop culture with urban legends as well. and you can I can even think of like subliminal messages on records.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, play it backwards. Paul is dead. Paul is dead. Well, yeah, he was barefoot.
0: He's the walrus.
1: cuckoo goo Both of my kids have known that the walrus says, goo goo choo like, as soon as they learn that the cow says moo, and Batman says na-na-na-na-na-na.
0: Yeah, these are the important animal sounds.
1: <laughs> That's not a joke, by the way. That's actually true.
0: <laughs> That's true. That's not just a story.
1: And another thing about them is they really take the mundane and transform it to the status of legend. They can interject the supernatural or the otherworldly into an everyday setting that makes it much more relatable and makes it more believable as well. And that's a feature of Urban Legends.
0: Definitely. There are really blurred lines between these two. I think it's not a leap to say that creepypastas are a version of modern day internet urban legends.
1: Right, because any two people any community of people who have something in common is a folk group.
0: Right, and some people that use the internet use these sites, go to creepypasta are interested in horror, create a folk group. So So. We have talked a lot about urban legends and what creepypasta is. Yes. Let's go down the rabbit hole. Ooh. See, one of the fun things about creepypastas is the rabbit hole effect. And we are definitely prone to go down some rabbit holes.
1: I just went down the deepest, darkest rabbit hole I've ever been down in my life. I'm fairly certain it was not even created by a rabbit at this point. I just finished research for an episode of Audio Dime Museum. That about killed me.
0: But these stories come out in fragments. You might see someone post a photo on Facebook or on Twitter. You might see a little snippet of story and it draws you in. Mm-hmm. And you start digging a little deeper and you get those pieces together and then you start to get rewarded for having those pieces together and developing this richer story.
1: Right, because so many people are contributing to it and it's going out in such a variety of forms of media. You know, like it might be posted to one social media outlet that you frequent or you might see it as a backdrop on your friend's phone or you might overhear someone on the news mentioning one of the characters or you you know like however you come to it you're only going to get a little bit at first and you have to go look for the rest which is one of the most intriguing things about the community
0: so come with us if you will
1: to the world of creepypasta get your strainers
0: so creepypasta can really be about anything
1: it usually is about anything but we've been looking at all of the anythings.
0: we looked at a lot of anythings. And we've tried to kind of tease out some of the most popular ones and categorize them. Of course, we are not going to hit everything. We might not hit your favorite. I'm sorry. But you know what? Tell us what your favorite is. If we get enough favorites, maybe we'll do an extra.
1: So we had to take the analytical approach because that's what we do. And so we've kind of classified all of these stories that Seem to come up a lot and be pretty well known into genres and kind of use those genres to find out why these things are scary and why people continue to share them.
0: So our first category today is your favorite.
1: Murdery murder. So murders and serial killers. That seems to be a thing.
0: That's a thing in urban legends. It's a thing in folklore.
1: It's a thing in true crime. That's a thing on the Lifetime Movie Network. I mean, it's a thing everywhere. People like to find out about these monsters.
0: Right. It's a monster that can be real. And right behind you. Look up! So one of the most popular creepypastas about a murderer, serial killer, is aptly named Jeff the Killer. Very creative, guys. Good job. With Jeff the Killer, it's a really tragic story. Is it? This poor boy Jeff moved to a new city with his family and his brother. And as they were walking to school one day, they were confronted by bullies.
1: Say it ain't so.
0: And in prototypical fashion, one of the bullies was riding a skateboard.
1: Oh man, I bet he had his hat turned around backwards too. The other one
0: was really fat. Uh Uh-huh. The original pair says... He hasn't exercised since he was crawling.
1: Good job, original post. You get a cookie. They sound
0: remarkably like the bullies from Boy Meets World. I was thinking um, (laughs) the scene from Hocus Pocus.
1: Oh, my God. You're so right. So, Max, I'm Jeff.
0: So, the bullies are are trying to kind of mug Jeff and his brother. And Jeff's not having any of it. Mm -hmm. They pull a knife on him. But he gets that knife from the bullies and stabs them. And runs away.
1: Okay. Well, like, yeah. I mean, like, it seems like a touch, a skosh of an overreaction, but...
0: So the police catch up with the brothers. Okay. And his little brother, Lynn, takes the fall.
1: Oh, no. And
0: goes to Juvie.
1: Oh, no. They are no Down brothers. You know this?
0: Later on, Jeff is very, very saddened by this. And he starts just having these really weird pulls and tinges, these odd feelings. And he's at a party, and the bullies come back to seek revenge.
1: So Whenever, he didn't murder him, he just stabbed him? Yes. Okay. Apparently. <laughs> I okay. didn't write it. Uh, Alright, I'm just making sure. The story
0: varies here, as all good legends do, it changes.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's go with the original.
0: In the original, the boys pour vodka on him, and as he's fighting them off, they're making fun of his brother, and this is when his psyche breaks. Well, He kills the bullies but not before they are able to set him on fire. Oh, no. And so he wakes up in hospital bed. His skin is burned and charred and white. He has no eyelids and his mind is gone. He later appears in people's bedrooms at night as they're sleeping. And you'll wake up with an odd feeling. And he'll be standing over you with his smile It's permanently affixed, his pale skin, his eyes with no eyelids, unable to blink. And he'll tell you, go to sleep as he holds a knife over you. It's
1: a good night, folks. He sounds charming.
0: That's an interesting point. There are some really twisted creepy pasta that go along with this that are related to people inserting themselves into the story and marrying Jeff the killer and becoming serial killers. I'm going to let that sink in. Uh, but I, it got so prevalent mm-hmm. that the admin for Creepypasta Wiki, which is really a great source if you want to read some creepypastas, had to ban them.
1: They were banned by Creepypasta. Yes, I didn't know that could happen. Okay, so people were writing in that they married Jeff. I'm assuming after his accident, and he right. well, he's when he's a killer. Yes, and then Jeff they, the killer. And then they run away, and they become. The Bride of Jeff the Killer, much like the Bride of Frankenstein,
0: well, more like the Bride of Chucky.
1: Okay,
0: they're like serial killer partners, and it, I didn't read too much. That that was a, that's too messed up for me. This story is really interesting because I wanted to find the kind of origins of all these stories.
1: Yeah, that's what and we do.
0: This legend has a legend behind it, supposedly.
1: On a dark and stormy night,
0: Katie Robinson was a girl. That posted a grainy photo of herself um, taken in a closet on a random 4chan board. And as the story goes, she was bullied relentlessly because she was an overweight girl. And she later killed herself.
1: That's very sad.
0: The internet being what it is.
1: Came together to support her and donated lots of money to charity to help her family and make sure that people were never bullied again.
0: Yeah, right. So besides leaving terrible comments, one I saw was, oh, that must have been a big rope. They took the picture and Photoshopped it to look like kind of a rudimentary Jeff the Killer. And so supposedly this is where the photo comes from, that it was further edited and became the Jeff the Killer meme creepy- slash creepypasta.
1: Why would anyone make this up?
0: Because it's the
1: internet. I just can't decide if we're supposed to feel sorry for her. I think we are. But then we still continue to look at Jeff the Killer. Are we supposed to feel guilty about looking at the meme now? It's
0: an interesting
1: question. I mean, you know that's where I'm going to go with it. I'm going to say, but what does it mean? Like, is it to punish us for looking at this? Is it to... What do you think?
0: I think that's a good thought. You know, I hadn't thought of that. I think that's a really good idea with someone like... Were they trying to just be ugly? Has this entire thing been made up to say, look at how you're acting on the internet?
1: I don't know. Do you have any more authoritative data? Like, do you have, like, the original post or anything? Were you able to track that down?
0: Yeah, so the original post um, that's labeled as Jeff the Killer was an actual video that was posted online.
1: Is it like an animation?
0: The, um, it's a kind of a photo with the text.
1: Okay, so another really common form of urban legend that I think we see repeated maybe in a more articulate and elegant form on creepypasta is the government conspiracy The leaked secrets. Yeah. And I think it's especially interesting because of people like Julian Assange and Edward Snowden and the press they've gotten and all of this talk of WikiLeaks and leaked secrets and We're we're inundated
0: with that idea that the government are keeping secrets from us. Are they Illuminati lizard people?
1: Obviously, Jacob. Are you not paying attention? Look at the chemtrails.
0: I was going to say probably not.
1: (laughs) Wake up, man.
0: But I also think of something like Guantanamo. Whenever they mention something like the Russian sleep experiment.
1: So the Russian sleep experiment is really a standalone story and it's me is one of the more well-developed stories i've seen it is not written in first person and it takes place at a testing facility in russia which you know it's going to have a happy ending if it starts that way right always the russian scientists want to do experiments on people to see if they can keep them awake for 30 days straight and they're promised that if they can survive the 30-day trial they will receive payment for their time
0: you know there actually were experiments I'm um, doing the first world War, as in America. Save it. Save it. they Save did conscientious objectors <laughs> and did similar studies.
1: I know. Food deprivation. Prisoner of war conditions is what they were trying to test. We'll talk about that in another day. Okay, so... So after World War II, the Russians decided that they needed to do some tests. And it would be very advantageous to the cause if they could figure out a way to keep their soldiers awake because sleep was wasted time. So they found five volunteers and promised that they would be handsomely compensated should they survive the 30 days. So these volunteers were, of course, locked in a room away from the scientist with microphones and portholes for observation. And then a gas was pumped into the room. It filled the room. And for five days, they didn't sleep. And for five days, there were no problems. But on the sixth day, things started to go downhill. The scientists had made notes on their little notepads that the subjects of the conversation within the cell had grown increasingly dark. As they each recounted traumatic incidents from their past, everything seemed relatively normal. After nine days, one of them started screaming. He screamed for three hours straight until he was only able to make barely audible squeaks. The scientist assumed that he'd severed his own vocal cords. The other subjects would approach the microphones and whisper into them and press their faces against the portals. Two of the other subjects began screaming. They had books that the scientists had generously given them to keep them company for 30 days, but they began smearing their own feces over the pages. And then after two more days, the screaming stopped. And so did the whispering. After three more days, they began to get worried. But they checked the oxygen consumption within the cell, that it should be sustaining five life forms. They assumed that the people inside were either dead or in a vegetative state, and that their experiment had been a failure. So they enter the chamber, they knock on the door and say, Stand back, lie flat, we're coming in. And a voice from inside says clearly, We no longer wish to be freed. They enter the cell, and the food rations haven't been touched. One of them is dead, and he's shoved in the drain in the center of the room, along with chunks of meat, and the remaining four subjects have torn off their own flesh, and their internal organs are hanging loose, and their eyes are wide open, and their mouths are carved into grins. And then they there's, like, some fighting and some killing and some really ineffective surgery that seems a complete waste of everyone's time and effort. And they try to put the internal organs back in, and that doesn't go so well. And they don't take anesthesia. You can't put them under. And it just, like, keeps getting worse and worse. And, oh, my God, it's so creepy. And then, like, they decide that they just, like, one of them dies. Another one of them dies. I don't know how that one dies. But then, like... They decide that they're just going to seal these three researchers and the three remaining subjects in the cell together. And when one of the researchers hears this, he's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm Russian, and like grabs a pistol and shoots the guy that gave the order in the face. And then he's going to kill the last two. I don't know why there are two now. Somebody else has died somewhere. And like there are two. And so he turns and he shoots one of them, and then he turns to the other one. And this is important, and I'll do this in the creepy voice because it deserves it. He turns to him and he says, what are you? I must know. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? The subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all. Begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide in your beds every night. We are what you sedate. Into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven, where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, then aimed at the subject's heart and fired, and it choked out, so nearly free.
0: Excellent. (laughs) Good job. Good job. So I think the source of this is interesting. It supposedly originates on August 8th, 2009, where RIP747 WordPress blog posted the Russian sleep experiment story on a bodybuilding farm in the miscellaneous section. He had received this email from his brother.
1: Now, see, that is interesting. and I'm going to see you're interesting and raise you a like... Weird, interesting. Because when we first started doing the show, and I was just, like, Googling, like, urban legends and, like, trying to find different things to write about, ideas for shows, do you know how many of them sent me to bodybuilding forums? Apparently it's a hot topic. Uh, Apparently it is. Like, it's really, it was, I thought I was doing something wrong, but maybe (laughs) I was just following Rip.
0: There are some other great conspiracy leaked secret stories, too. One that I just want to mention quickly is the gateway to the mind. And so the gateway to the mind is about a man it's experimented on. Scientists want to discover what will happen if you sever all of the senses. Would you be able to enter your own mind? Would you be able to see God? So they take a man and do this.
1: This sounds so ethical.
0: Yeah, and it very much ends in a similar way okay. to the Russian sleep experiment. He starts to be able to tell the future and Read other people's minds and tell them about things that have happened in their lives.
1: Oh, Sir so Arthur Conan Doyle will be so excited to meet this guy.
0: Well, it made me think of the God Helmet. Oh, yeah, you're right. That okay. we talked about in the Exorcist you're episode. You're right. Okay,
1: so sensory deprivation leads you to see...
0: a God Helmet, it is able to stimulate a certain part of your brain that incites um, you to start to feel a presence.
1: Okay. And
0: you can place a God-like idea on that.
1: Or a demon-like idea, or okay, so like whatever mood you're in that day, you're gonna see that kind of thing. So does this fella see God?
0: Well he says, I've spoken to God, and he's not listening.
1: These are very bleak. So, guys, this is a special episode. We wanted to really tell you some great scary stories and take our time and Make sure you knew what these creepypastas were all about.
0: So join us later this week for the second helping of the creepypasta episode.